This is Cult Scene's K-Pop Unmuted, a podcast dedicated to in-depth discussion of K-Pop. We're your hosts, Stephen Knight, Joe Palmer, and Tamar Herman. And on this episode, we're discussing the Luna Project and their pre-debut. So the three of us here, I think, represent the full spectrum of Luna fans as far as knowledge of Luna lore and immersion in the Lunaverse. Tamar, do you want to give us an idea of how uh, immersed you are in Luna? I am a casual Luna-er. Um, I like. I think I've listened to all the songs by now, and I like have been aware of this project going on. For people who don't know, Luna is a K-pop girl group with twelve members, created by Blockberry Creative. And every month for like over a year and a half now, I think it was October. 2016 when they launched it is that right joe yes so it was october 2016 when they announced that every single month they would be releasing something and at first it sounded like it was going to be like a 12-month project they released one girl's song each month that's what i thought too yeah and introduce it but then it turned out surprise we're going to release all these like subunits and all these exciting things and some months were there any months without any releases at all i feel like there were yeah yeah, there was there's like a month break here and there Uh, So it was like this whole big lead up and each girl, you know, featured her own identity. Um, But as a casual fan, um, I was not like keeping track of these things like the way that some people were. Each song, you know, could stand on its own and each soloist could stand on her own as a soloist or each subunit could count as like stand on their own as a subunit. But altogether, they come together as Luna and their whole creative narrative is known as the Lunaverse. So I vaguely know about the Lunaverse. I know kind of what each of the groups represent and the stories, but like I haven't sat down and watched like all these videos except once in a while when Joe has sent me some. <laughs> well, I'm maybe in the middle of the spectrum. Um, I've sort of, I've followed Luna pretty well. I've kept track of when their releases were coming and watched some of the behind the scenes stuff and every once in a while tried to figure out what was going on in a particular video. And I followed Joe's advice of sometimes looking in the music videos in the description, there'll sometimes be a little description of what's going on within the scope of the lunar world. But I don't really have a very good grasp of what's going on as a whole. I have some vague idea that there's these three separate worlds and maybe Chiriri is able to go between them. But as far as the whole narrative, uh, I'm a little bit lost in that. So I guess that leaves me as the one who explains <laughs> what all of it means, because I'm the biggest fan of them here. I've, I, you know, I was aware of Heejin's Vivid, the very first song when it came out, maybe not right as it came out, but a, a week or two afterwards. Uh, I remember being really excited for Hyunjin's song, so it was only the second song. And I remember being in work and I went off in the little corner so where no one could see me and I watched it and it was like an eight minute long video or something. And <laughs> so, it, you know, when I look back, I guess I was hooked almost from the very start. Uh, since then, I've been keeping up to date on basically everything to do with their music, all their albums, videos I watch multiple times when they come out. Um, I've watched every episode of Luna TV, which is 300 and something and counting. Let me ask you about the big picture Lunaverse, maybe before we dig into the details and the go step-by-step through all these many, many releases that are under the Luna umbrella, can you sort of give us a, a thumbnail or an overview about what is going on? What are people talking about when they talk about the Lunaverse? Sure, I'll try 
keep it short. Is is that a name the fans have come up with, by the way, or is that a Blackberry? No, creative? no, that that was in one of the descriptions you talked of. I can't remember which one now, but they it was probably one of the early ones, maybe Sonatine, where they're saying, yeah, like the Luniverse grows with because that was the last one, so they were anticipating the Odd Circle grows. So they're saying, I think they said like the Luniverse will grow in in the next coming months or something. But um, it's essentially telling quite a large story through snippets of music videos and snippets of teasers. So there's three separate, I won't call them worlds, they're parts of a world, I guess. So there's the Luna One Third Girls, Odd Eye Circle and YYYY. And it can't be really be said if they're completely distinct in that they they all exist on a Mobius strip. So one thing that um, Blackberry would do would in the teaser images, they'd sometimes put in the URL for Luna's um, website backwards. And if you put that in, like everyone thought it was a mistake, but if you put it in, it shows you a GIF. Right now, the GIF is a double helix of like DNA that's spiraling. Beforehand, it was a Mobius strip, which is like Luna. So essentially, these girls live in three distinct parts of the strip. The sort of consensus right now is that it starts with YYYY. And uh, Olivia, Olivia Hay, the very final girl, just sort of kicks things off by leaving Eden. But then again, Eve is the first to leave Eden. I realize I'm getting way ahead of myself right now. But yeah, you just blew my mind because I was like, <laughs> wait, I thought YY by Y was the last one, and now I'm just like, what's happening here? But that's, so yeah, so that's sort of a, a consensus. But the fact that it's on a Mobius strip, and to imagine it's a piece of ribbon that's twirled on either side, but you can't tell which side is up and which side is down. And the point is that either way is the start and either way is the finish. It's they basically mirror each other. So one third can be the start one. Why, 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 why can be the start, but they're always mirroring each other. So Luna one third are, you know, the innocent girls who are waiting for their loves. It's about first love. You know, their story is there's three of Heejin, Hyunjin and Hassel. Hassel are sort of a, a team together. Yojin is by herself lost and, alone and have childlike running around and Vivi is an android and uh, I don't know why Vivi is an android to be honest I think it's just because she's Chinese um, <laughs> Odd Eye Circle seem to sort of bridge a gap between the first girls and the last girls you know Choeri as Stephen mentioned can go between and she she's seen with girls from Luna th- one third in her video and appears in all of the videos of the YYYY girls and then YYYY are the girls who kind of defy standards. They say no to God. They say no to whatever higher power is trying to control them. And it's a era about self-love, essentially, and figuring out where your identity comes from rather than just being the girl who waits or just being the girl who uh, goes after people like an odd eye circle. It's something in between, you know, those women exist, the other women exist, and all of these girls exist too. So just like, you just blew my mind because I'm just sitting here like, oh, but Odd Eye Circle is so much different stylistically from the other two groups. Why would that, like, I'm, I'm just sitting here like, I don't think I know anything anymore. All right, so let's go all the way back to the beginning then and 
we're each going to take one subunit and sort of moderate that. And and Joe, we're going to start with you with Luna One Third, and you already mentioned that that Heijin was the start of that. Yes, yes, and uh, October 2016, as as Tamar mentioned, with a quite a, a small little release. But Luna World One Third made up of Heijin, Hyunjin, Hassel, Yojin, and Vivi. So Heijin, Hyunjin, Hassel are the three in One Third. Vivi is the one, and Yojin is the slash because she's sort of lost and alone at the start of this story. I think. The main reason for that is just how young she is. You know, she's a child at this stage. I think she was born in 2002. She's like exactly nine years younger than I am. She's born on the same day as me. Oh, nice. Luna One Third represent a very typical image of a young, innocent girl who pines for a boyfriend, you know, and they're in, in the lyrics of all of their lead singles, they're waiting for someone. They're waiting for a boy to do something. They're waiting to maybe see if they can pick up the courage to do something. Their story is less defined than the later girls as well. I think, obviously, Blackberry Creative were not 100% confident in what they were really trying to do. You know, they had to test the waters and see if this could pick up at least a little bit of a fan base before getting like deep into uh, lore and universes and whatnot. So, for example, Heejin's video is very classic sort of a kind of box video that Digipedi or VM Project, who did direct this one, would do. Lots of potential, you know, visual metaphors, but nothing concrete. These girls are mostly defined by, in terms of lore, by their animals, which would not go on to play a huge important part in the lore as a, as a whole, but sort of went on to define who they might be, you know. So Hyunjin is a cat and there's lots of cats in her videos but also later on in videos if a cat showed up you'd be like that's Hyunjin you know she 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 shows up in well she doesn't show up but she's a cat in Go On's video and yeah that's one thing that we didn't mention in the introduction about the uh the Luna project which is that each girl has now help me out with this has a color has an animal has a location Right, and has like some kind of superpower. Yeah, well, it, it seems to vary between the the units. So the animal is more important in Luna One Third, and to a certain extent, YY YY. But then YY YY have their fruits, and Odd Eye Circle have their colors. So Odd Eye Circle's colors are more important. And yeah, I think in terms of story wise, the animals sort of start to come into it in YY YY as symbols of of the other girls. Like you see Eve, you know, hitting her own animal with a, with a, a golf club and Olivia Hay is surrounded by swan feathers, which represent Eve. But anyway, back to Luna One Third. <laughs> Luna One Third for me is a such a pivotal and profoundly great era in all of K-pop, I think. I don't think there's been like a, a month a few months of releases from one group that has such a defined and cohesive sound. I've written about this before, but basically all of their songs are so indebted to much more real and physical instruments than what we're used to. Hustle's song is like purely orchestral, same with Luna One-Third's Sonatine. Yajin's is a Broadway musical-inspired, you know, huge brassy and brass instruments. And then a couple of others are still 
based in the past, you know, with Vivi's retro throwback and Heejin and Shunjin's uh, I'll Be There as well, which is also sort of 80s uh, sounds they're going for. And this tells the story so well of a, I guess, a more broken down sort of young girl who feels things with her first love so, so much and so powerfully that they come out in these physical and, you know, really textured, detailed ways. And yeah, this like comes up better nowhere than in Hassel's Let Me In, which uh, is astonishing. And also for the story, it's really important because right now with YY by Y's sort of idea of self-love, it's tapping into the idea that there's a there's a line that they've repeated in, in teasers. And it's like, I am you, you are me, which is basically the entire theme of Hassel's song. But hers is more about how she's becoming like her previous lover and who she's waiting for and who's disappointing her and it's to me it has always been the key to the entire story and where everything goes after that Now, stepping outside of the Lunarverse, to me, it's interesting some of the facts about the individual members themselves. Heejin, I think, has said that the head of Blackberry Creative picked her to debut first because he thought she was the most naturally talented out of the group. And I know there's kind of a backstory to Yojin. She's the young one that you were talking about that has a video, but she doesn't appear in any of the group videos. And I, I heard that was because her grades were suffering. And so I don't know if that was punishment or if that was just to allow her to focus more on her schoolwork, but she's at an age where that's that's a relevant consideration. Yeah, yeah. And you mentioned Vivi is a Chinese member. I know she lived in Hong Kong for a while. I don't know if she's originally from Hong Kong. Remember, oh, another thing that occurs to me, I watched- um, Mix Nine. Mix Nine, Mm. yeah. I I didn't watch the whole thing. It's not especially watchable, but, you know, Dreamcatcher and Luna were on, so I had to watch. And it kind of surprised me, YG's judgments are not the final word on talent, but Hassel was pretty shocking in her dancing skill. She is a really good singer, and she has, I I think, one of my top two Luna songs, Let Me In, is so beautiful. But I was really surprised that... Mm how poorly she danced strange for yg to you know he was someone who always talked about you know talent and you know didn't matter if they could dance or not but he's obviously changed his tune but i mean i don't take his opinion seriously anymore and one thing i mean if we'll talk about theories a little bit Vivi's video is something that I, I don't seem talking about too much, and I'll go quickly into what yeah. I sort of think no, about that's it. That's the roller skating rank video. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's two things that stand out to me is that the presence of a male in the first place, which is very rare in Luna's videos, it only really happens in that video, and sort of in Yojin's video, where the men wear masks or the guy has a frog head. Yeah, and then it does. It, their males appear in Eve's video as well. She's a bit more confident, you know. She's taking control. So, I think particularly why they might show up, why, why this one particular guy shows up in Vivi's video, 
is because of all of them, like this idea is that maybe none of this, maybe some of these are dreams or maybe they're not. But for me, I think people either say this is like a memory from her past before she was apparently killed by Olivia and turned into an android. Although I don't, I've never seen good evidence as to why Olivia has killed her. Or it's, she's always been an android. Wow, I missed that. <laughs> yeah, I know. I've tried to look it up, but I haven't really seen it. I think maybe it's a joke. Why do people think she's an android? She is an android. In, oh, like in the Love and Live video, is that the name of it, where they're at the track? Mm-hmm. You know, she's she has to be plugged in yeah, and recharged. Oh, right. I forgot yeah, about yeah. that. Oh, so basically, okay. my theory. It's been a while. <laughs> yeah, that was a long time ago. <laughs> my theory for her video is that, yeah, either it's a memory from her past or it's like an implanted memory as an android to make her seem more human. And, oh, nice. and that's why it also, the other girls feature... And she listens to tapes of the other girls' songs, and it, it, it connects her with why, 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 and how these worlds interact, not only with themselves, but with the potential real world. And like in Vivi's video, you know, Luna as a group exists. You know, she can listen to them. It's not just she is with them. And then she's also in Eve's video with, where the tapes exist as well. So that's what my main theory is that like why, 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 why girls leaving Eden is them leaving Luna One Third's world, and that's so. I think Luna One Third's world is Eden essentially, which also corresponds with maybe more innocent ideas of you know man and woman. Does that make Odd Eye Circle Temptation or After the Fall or something like that? It could do, yeah. I I, I think Odd Eye Circle is the least clear to me, at least, right? And where they stand, you know, because Choeri obviously goes between seemingly wherever she wants. And Kimlip and Jinsoul, I think, do, as far as I have seen so far, represent more things probably like temptation and, you know, there's slightly more darker emotions. But that's all to say that Luna One Third has a, a sort of more grounded, childlike ideas and music. And of all of the units, it's the one that really comes together best for me, anyway. All right, well, maybe that's a good point to move on to Odd Eye Circle. And I think you're right, at coming after the Luna One Third era, Kim Lip's Eclipse, which is the first one, was a little bit of a shock. You know, it's it's a much more mature concept. And she, I mean, I think it's fair to say that Odd Eye Circle, at least with international fans, is the most popular subunit. And Joe, your opinion notwithstanding, Eclipse is, pro- is probably the most popular uh, out of that. But that was the first Joe's wrong. release from this group. Of course. But I mean, Joe can be wrong <laughs> once, you know, every once in a while. So Kim Lips Eclipse was the first one. Jin Sol had this second release from this group, if I've got this right, which is Singing in the Rain. Chueri has Love Cherry Motion. And then they had the Luna Adai Circle subunit had, I guess they were like sort of album minis and repackages and so on. But they they released Girlfront and Sweet Crazy Love, which are two of my favorite Luna songs. And they also had a song called Lunatic that they released an English version of. And there was a video that was made up mostly of outtakes, I think, from the other videos. But that is a really interesting song, too.
my impression, I think, like Joe was saying, is that Odd Eye Circle, I guess, first of all, maybe we should try to figure out what the name is. Joe, tell me what you think. That's some kind of reference to the moon, right? And their eyes are always glowing or turning into moons or different things like that. So a lot of times there's a moon theme in all of this. And also, oh, now it's coming back to me, Odd I think it's also supposed to refer to like the letters, capital letters would be a full moon and two half moons or three quarter moons or, or whatever. Yes. Oh, see, that's what I said. I mean, I'm like an intermediate lunatic. <laughs> and it's also, this just came to me like, as I was looking at their name a second ago, but it's also a math one. Like the first one is a math thing. And the last one Joe told me is multiplication. So it's Y, Y, by Y. And this like odd is like, Oh, odd has a mathematical meaning. Yeah, yeah, I like it. That's good. So what else do we need to know about how Odd Eye Circle fits into all this, Joe, that we haven't covered? Odd Eye Circle... The colors are a lot more prominent, yeah. for one thing. Their sort of contained chronology is sort of interesting. And, it, it, you know, musically, it, it takes a very clear turn into something more, a lot more modern. And chronologically, at least the videos, I think, so Sweet Crazy Love is sort of like a prologue. Uh, or a prequel, I guess, because it comes at the end, you know, and it, it shows the girls separate from each other and sort of finding each other. And musically, it replicates that by Sweet Crazy Love having like some really small references to the other songs, but nothing like too concrete. And it has, you know, digital orchestra sounds, which obviously connected to one, one third. But story wise, like I said, Ade Circle is slightly harder to pin down. There's a lot of cyclical ideas with the video of Girlfriend. You know, I remember, I think Stephen talked about it before, where, you know, Jin Sol is running across the screen, you know, basically at herself and turning around to look at herself, but she's always turning around. And her song as well, Singing in the Rain, has a, a very cyclical feeling to it. So I guess in that way, it, it sort of represents in that if the entire thing is a mirror, Odd Eye Circle is mirroring itself rather than any of the other groups. And in Love Cherry Motion, Choeris, there are these ponds mm. that are reflective, mm -hmm. right? Does that play into this mirror idea? Yeah, I mean, like, these ideas sort of come from everything, you know? Like, they can be tiny little shots in music videos like that, or they can be lyrics, or they can be, you know, the way that Choeris' song crashes and changes out of nowhere to sort of represent how she kind of mirrors, or she bridges gaps between all of the worlds as she pleases. So yeah, so maybe Odd Eye Circle's world is a little more contained in itself with little snippets of the other girls sort of coming in and the music as it goes from Sweet Crazy Love to Love Cherry Motion, Singing in the Rain to Eclipse. They sort of build into something like Eclipse, which is like so totally blissful and like this sort of perfect electronic production. And then again into Girlfriend, which to me is a miracle of songwriting and that they connected three distinct songs and kept dances from it, lyrics from it, music from it, and made it into one thing that is one of the best songs that Luna has done. Just to be clear about what you're saying is, so there are little parts of the choreography and also music and lyrics that are taken from Kim Lip, Jim Soul, and Choeri's individual songs yeah. that are incorporated into Girlfront, mm -hmm. which, like you said, just an amazing 
way. It, it just works perfectly. Like they planned it. For, I, I'd be interested to know whether they planned that from the beginning or whether somebody just managed to pull that off. Okay. Looking yeah, back. Yeah. And it, but it's not like that for the other groups, right? Mm-hmm, that's, uh, yeah, I, I don't think so. Say that. It's not totally like Luna one third, basically not at all. Why, 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 why? I mean, I think they reference a tiny bit of choose choreography in Love Forever, but like, yeah, nowhere near to the extent of what they did with Girlfriend. So is the reason that like it incorporated because you implied that it was a mirror, like because the songs are about them like mirroring each other. So the final song itself was mirroring those three. Yes, that that would make sense. Definitely. Lyrically, it, it does take a, a big leap. You know, Jin Sol in particular is very, um, very brash. And, she, you know, she talks about how she used to be dangerous, but it's hard to really believe her given her sort of delivery of these lines. But all of these three songs, Kim Lips, uh, Eclipse, Sing in the Rain and Love Tree Emotion, do feed into the kind of over, overall like large confidence of Girlfriend, I think, which is a, a very much a, a no-holds-barred, like take-what-you-want sort of song. So yeah, I think you're right. And I just want to mention before we move off of Odd Eye Circle, Lunatic, which is a B-side, but they, like I said, they cobbled together a video for it. That has some of the best English language lyrics in K-pop to me. You know, usually it's sort of a toss-up whether being able to understand the lyrics is is helpful or not. But Lunatic has, in in the Korean version, it has "I don't really care now" is is in English, but in the English version, they also have them singing "P R E T E N D to be mad," which I love, and they also sing in kind of an up upbeat way. "I am not insane." <laughs> So they're a little bit absurdist lyrics, you know, they don't necessarily make a whole lot of sense, but I, mm-hmm. there's something about them that is, I just really love, especially pretending to be mad. <laughs> That's pretty, <laughs> I don't know what they mean by that, yeah. but I love yeah. it. And it, it, it sort of works with the music as well in that the music is so, um, you know, their vocals are so like mixed together almost that it's, you can't really tell who's saying anything and it, it gives them a little time to be a bit more you know, cheeky and irreverent than they ever could have been. B-side wise, that's like head and shoulders above everything else. Yeah, I was trying to think of a better word than cheeky, but I don't think there was one. <laughs> it doesn't sound like a cheeky song, really. It's a bit more laid back and shoegazy, but, you know, it gives them it's a sort of a mask, I guess. Well, isn't it like taking on the identity of like what a lunatic is, like the spelling out pretending to be mad? Like a lunatic is someone who's mad because of the moon. Like they go crazy because of the moon. I like that. Yeah, I never even thought about that. I am not insane. Certainly, certainly fits in well with that. Yeah, I mean the whole. That's not what a sane person usually says. went through the other two we can talk about the the only one that i really know at all and not half as well as joe and probably steven know which is luna why 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 which i think is the most high profile one for not the music if that makes sense like i think um adai circle you know is high profile among k-pop fans because people liked the songs and they like were different than what um one third had put out but i think that why 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 got a lot of attention for first choose heart attack like just the the video and what it was discussing or what it was not discussing, whatever your interpretation of it is. And then that Grimes, you know, like gave them a feature on, on Love Forever. So for my understanding, which is definitely not as good as Joe's, um, are four girls and 
the whole theory or like idea behind them is that like they represent the fall from Eden, I think. I'm not Christian, so honestly, like the entire time I was just like, I don't really get this. Um, so Eden is Old Testament, though. Yeah, but not the fall from grace. Like we don't like consider it like this original sin or anything. Like I mean, it was like the first sin, but it's not like women are evil because she bit from the apple. Like women got punished with pregnancy, but like we don't like consider like women are innately evil because of Eve in Judaism. So like, so like this whole thing, every time I'm watching it, I'm like, are you trying to like undo the trope of that? But anyway, this is like beyond the scope of what I was supposed to be saying. Um, so, but why, 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 why? Like the whole idea is based around, you know, even one of the members is named Eve and, but not like spelled the traditional way, it's spelled the French way. And there's all these imagery you mentioned before about all the fruit. There's a lot of imagery of apples and a lot of taking bites of apples. And there's a lot of, from what I understood, that a lot of the videos like were about each other and that like you, I think someone mentioned it before, like that the phrase kept on showing up. I am you, you are me. Yeah. And that kept on showing up everywhere. So like when Chu's video got really popular, heart attack, a lot of people were hyping it up as this amazing, like LGBTQ anthem because she is like obsessing over, it was Olivia Hay, right? Oh, Eve. Oh, it was Eve. Sorry. I'm hyped up on cold medicine. I'm really sorry. Um, so I did pull up my article and I did read it to make sure I knew what I was talking about. So Chu is like, you know, obsessing over Eve. And so some people, I mean, I think a very obvious interpretation of it is that like she's in love with her. Other interpretations based on like the idea of I'm you, you or me is that she is her or she wants to be her. So I think like it's one of those things where like you can interpret it however you want. Luna has become a huge like pride anthem, you know, like Stan Luna is everywhere on Twitter nowadays. And I think Chu kind of like helped raise awareness of Luna a lot with that. So yeah, I think it's just like this was that most high profile unit beyond like just people who were watching Luna. So Eve is the first video. She's the one who's all in white, who's a swan. And I think is it the apple is a very prominent in hers, if I remember. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Yeah, that's her fruit. It's very obviously and broadly going for that idea of Eden and falling from graces to Marseille. And she mentioned briefly that they're trying to like flip the script on that. And that is pretty much exactly what they're trying to do. It's in the description for Eve's um video, you know, they talk about like her thought process is she realizes like, why can't I just say no to God? Or why can't I say no to, you know, the higher power, whatever it may be. And it, it, it's, it's starts what it, for me is like sort of the final ideas of the whole project and the sort of idea of self-love, but not just that, but the idea that it's like this higher, the structures of society and how they hold back women from, from growing up properly basically, and finding an identity that is their own rather than the kind of set few identities that are like allocated them by how they see women in media and how they basically don't see women in media all the time. So from Eve, it goes to Chu, and obviously Chu wants to be Eve. So she's learning, seeing this new role model of someone who has just decided to do whatever she wanted to do. And Eve carries that really, really well. I think her song is 
the most confident and it feels the most, I mean, it's called new, but it feels new compared to the rest of them. And Chu as well, you know, she is almost trying to be Eve and follow her, but her song is completely different. And I think compared to all the other songs in the entire project, no one sort of stamps their personality on their song like Chu does. You know, if you if you like watch all of Luna TV, she stands out so much. She is absolute bundle of energy and joy and smiles and is always laughing and always trying to make all the other girls laugh. And that comes across so much on her song, you know, and all the different ways she uses her vocals and just, you know, the, the sort of brash happiness of everything. And I think that that first half of those two contrasts quite a lot with Go On and Olivia Hay, who sort of finish out the project for us. Go On and Olivia Hay's songs are very much about self-love, but they don't feel quite as sort of revelatory. Go On's has sort of has got the major tones to it, but it has a darker uh, video, and that there's this sort of this idea of there's two of her. You know, there's the blonde version and the dark-haired version. If she's leaving behind a dark-haired version, and that's like the bad past of her, but is that just the part of where she's letting go and not fully accepting? And then Olivia Hayes' song is, you know, again, if she says, like, love myself today is like a kind of hook she has, but it's all out of heartbreak. And I guess finding out how to love yourself is important, but sometimes where it comes from might be the wrong place. And, you know, she sounds angry and Jin Sol is in there and she's, again... There's an, there's an edge to her. There's a sense of chaos to her. And these girls all come together to tell the story of identity in a way that feels still unresolved for me, in a way that's sort of exciting and makes me apprehensive at the same time. You think Love Forever doesn't wrap it up? No, no. Uh, Love Forever is is really quite a turn. It's very strange, you know, and, and I can say this with a few songs, but in the, in the context of Luna, it works in certain ways, but as a song by itself, it's one I don't like as much. But to me, that one, I think, is again another sort of prequel, which the sort of clueless schoolgirl outfits I've seen represent sort of their, the previous past before they leave Eden, you know, which, and it also connects them to Luna One Third, who wore schoolgirl outfits in their subunit videos. But musically, it does a strange thing by using E-Tribe and using Grimes, which I know Grimes is feature is sort of seen as a funny and a waste at now but it's still sort of really exciting to me you know even though she's cancelled now um her, her music <laughs> is still really important to me and it's one the only few of the last years in western music that i listened to a lot and to hear her voice at the start of it every time still gives me shivers you know it, it's 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 the only time a crossover event in k-pop has really made me feel like this is cool this is big disappointed me at first because I was expecting so much more uh, but the song has really grown on me and that part of it also has grown on me. I think if I didn't have such expectations for what Grimes' participation would be I think I would have loved it. And also the, the the courage of Blackberry to get this feature from one of K-pop's most high profile 
fans in the West and basically use it to make a joke about G. Yeah, it's just yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah I know. It's, it's sort of I can't. I still can't believe it to this day. But basically, that reference to G and also it's very clear connections to Iowa's very, very, very. You know, just the general sound of the song, but also the ending choreography where they keep moving with their hearts. Something that very, very, oh, yeah. very did. And it's sort of they were, their way of positioning themselves themselves in the real world and, you know, outside of the Lunaverse, I guess. You know, the girls have left Eden and now they're going, well, we're actually here, you know, and we're going to take over K-pop. We're, we're done with our world. Which, in the context of YYYY's story, doesn't really make sense, but it is an interesting kind of overarching part of it. But to me, that was setting up a follow-up to Why by Why, and not the lead single, which, as we've just learned, is coming very soon. I feel like I talked about so many things, but not about the songs at all. But we can go back. People could just go read your articles. You've written a lot about. <laughs> yeah, well, we should mention that there's on cultscene.com, There's a lot of great lunar coverage, including analysis by Joe and also his controversial ranking of the. I guess the solo releases. <laughs> I mean, some call it controversial. <laughs> that ranking goes so much trouble. It's hilarious. <laughs> it's an objective fact, Joe. It's controversial. Okay, it's controversial. Um, <laughs> well, actually, I, I might put, if I were to do it again, I'd probably only put the clips lower. So maybe I shouldn't talk about it. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> You're going to get everyone to kill you. Yeah, so that was the contra for those who have not read Joe's article or are not aware of his ranking. He he ranked Eclipse shockingly low in the estimation of many yes, readers. I want to put it out there that Stephen put it into this podcast episode's outline. Drag Joe for downvoting Eclipse. That's like in our outline. On yes. the outline. <laughs> I guess that's the part we're on now. Is this it's happening right now? Is it exactly? So this is a crazy ambitious project guys, the amount of money that BlackBerry Creative has sunk into this is crazy. Is this was that a good investment? Is this is this working? I think it was a great investment. I wrote about it for Forbes even. Like they figured out how to like hack the end, the debut. And I think it's just brilliant. Like, That's one thing that I wondered was whether this is partly aimed at the whole rookie awards thing. Like are they gaming the rookie definition by trying to have like a two year long pre-debut where they're more established in their rookie year and have a better shot at, you know, do you think that's important enough that, that that would be a consideration? So actually, as you just said that, this just like popped in my head and I wish this had popped into my head like ages ago. But when you look at K-pop timeline, usually you can tell when a group's going to be popular around the second year mark is when they blow up. Like that's typically what happens unless like you're either like hot, fresh out of the gate, like a one hit wonder or like later on, like if you look at all the groups, like it's in their second year when their popularity builds. And by the third year, they're like an established act. Usually um, I can think of a bunch that had it. I think like XO and EXID had that. Like it's, it's very common that the second year is when like it hit by doing it this way. Luna's kind of skipped that. Like they don't have to wait two years. They're going to debut and already have a huge audience. And like, they're going to have a huge following already. Like they don't have to, you know, I don't know necessarily about awards, but fresh out the door, they have fans. They don't have to work to build a fandom. They already have the fandom. I mean, if you consider, it's kind of like, this is going to get someone really upset because I already know that there's some fighting about who owns the moon. Um, but EXO's rollout was also kind of similar to this, just on a lot smaller of a scale. That's true, yeah. Well, they were releasing, you know, every, I think, month for like a while, they were releasing all these teasers. 
And Luna's kind of, you know, the evolution of that on like a crazy mass scale. But I think it worked. I mean, like we're talking about it. We're dedicating a podcast episode to them. They haven't even mm-hmm. debuted yet. Yeah, building that fan base was obviously the the main goal of it. And when I mentioned uh, IOI and Girls' Generation with Love Forever, what I forgot to say was that they are sort of as well positioning themselves as saying like we're the next defining girl group of the generation. You know, because obviously Girls' Generation were the biggest K-pop girl group ever, and IOI had a short run, but they they along with Produce 101 pretty much changed the K-pop game for up till now at least it's probably going to die down within the next year or two but Luna have mirrored or like replicated that success by building these girls' personalities before they debut and obviously that's been the success behind most big groups along with like IOI and Twice is that we know who they are before they begin and yeah marketing wise it's clearly worked if they do well on debut, you know, if like, if next week the song, if that is their lead song, it feels almost too early and without any notice. So I'm really curious to see how they do when they're like really thrown into the K-pop world. You know, we've seen them on a couple of music shows and really small variety shows for now. But when they go out there, they have the songs and they have the personalities to do really well. It's just, will their timing be good? I think is, is the real question. And one quick thought on whether the the stories are working for me obviously it's not really finished yet so it's hard to say but the problem i have with long connected stories like this that k-pop has done before like that big boy group that's doing really well whose name i've forgotten is that <laughs> terrible they're too vague you know they allow you to interpret everything in so many different ways to the point that there is no point and that we can look at you know references to art in the videos or whatever and i sort of becomes nothing. Luna does well in that everything exists in their little world. There's only like a couple of references to, you know, outside art, but whether they can all tie it together into something that has a defining idea, I'm not sure if they have the time to do that or the the courage to make a point. Not that leaving things up to interpretation is necessarily bad, but it's just become a bit tiring at this stage. Do you think they're going to continue with the narrative past the debut? I I thought about this and I think they might for the first two releases and then afterwards I think I'd prefer that they stopped for the same reason as that if it just keeps going and going and going it just doesn't become anything and I think if you debut and leave behind what you've done that's an amazing legacy and like a whole career almost in itself to be proud of so I think they really need to step out and start something new i mean personally obviously like i'm very interested in luna but i like cannot get invested in them because this is so overwhelming to me like i don't have hours to spend looking at every single music video and parsing together everything like mm-hmm. if they continue doing this i think it's a little off-putting like, but you know it works even even if you don't take that lo- you know yes but then when i know that there's stuff i'm just like <laughs> oh i need to look into this yeah. and, like, you always feel like crazy. you're missing out on one thing yeah. or another I want to know what the Luniverse is about. And like, you know, I've dedicated so much of just thinking time to this. You know, I have a playlist on Spotify of all the songs that I listen to all the time and and like put in that the hours, you know, and I'm, I'm lucky to have gotten, I feel like I've gotten something out of it, but it can feel also futile at times as well. Well, guys, I don't think we've talked about enough 
songs on this episode. So what do you say we move on to our unmuted K-pop picks and throw a few more in there? Well, mine's really going to be quick because I just want to say that I am really, really sad that Lovely's Wagzak isn't like getting any attention whatsoever, like anywhere. I just think like a lot of people, when it first came out, even I was just like, oh, this doesn't sound like Lovely's latest stuff like they've been really you know like upping the harmonies and really layering all their vocals and they've really done some like impressive stuff on their last songs and finally finally it felt like you know on that day that lovelies had like made it and they just dropped wag duck on like a random i think it was a sunday like they just like came out with this single like here's our summer song like here it is surprise and it's very bright and bubbly and like i really it has like a tropical feel to it and it's very like spunky i think like it's very weird it's a really weird song the the title isn't necessarily the chorus it's like a post-chorus announcement (laughs) like it's very bizarre um the first time i heard it i just sat there like what did i just listen to but i personally like i was thinking about it before we were leading up into this and i think from all the summer songs that have come out so far for k-pop it's my favorite one um like the bubbly girl group songs like because it's just fun and not you know the same boring sound and, and I was thinking about that. I really think it's kind of my first song that I've liked in like maybe two years from, from Mulan. That's not an infinite song. Wow. Like I like that day and I like other lovely stuff, but this one like really resonated. It's really addicting. I feel like I was singing it around my apartment like, and it just got caught in my head like how a good summer song should because it's just so silly. Not silly. Like it's not like a goofy, like dum-dum type song or rookie. It has its melodic moments and then suddenly it's just like... And you're just like, what's going on here? Uh, I think it did a really good job at like showcasing the members' vocals without doing the really gorgeous harmonies and layers that they've done on like the previous songs that they got a lot of attention for. And I think it was just a nice shift of direction that kind of, I wouldn't say matched the group a little better than like the schoolgirlish image that they previously had, but it did show them growing up quite a bit. And I'm, I'm really confused why they're not promoting it properly and like why they're not, you know, doing stuff like they went on to super tv super junior show recently and they were talking about that day like they weren't talking about blog job i just don't know what ulan is doing and i want more people to listen to it and that's it i just really like the song I think it's great that out of the three of us, you're the one who picked the Lovelies song. I think that's that's an upset, but a great pick. The, the song I want to talk about is Zero by Minso, who is a solo artist that debuted earlier this year. Tamar tweeted about it yesterday, and I've been obsessing about it too. And looking into the background of it, I can see why Tamar and I love this song. It's a promotional video for the Dragon Fighter online video game. And whoever is in charge of that is a genius because they decided to get Mystic Entertainment to do it for them. And not only that, but they got Emin Su and Kim Ana to do it. And if you're not familiar with, with them, the uh, producer and writer and lyricist, they have done some of the best songs and, I, and my favorite. And I know Tamar's, at least some of her favorite K-pop songs, just a quick list of some of the highlights. They did Brown Eyed Girls, Sixth Sense and Abracadabra, uh, Sunny Hills, Midnight Circus and Grasshopper Song, I Use Good Day, Guyans Bloom and Paradise Lost. So, and the song I, to me is as good as you might expect out of those two. 
it is a totally epic and dramatic track. It's got, you know, this big orchestral sound and this, at times, this baritone choir comes in to add even more drama and, uh, you know, ominous aura to it. Minso has a really strong voice. She's sort of battling that strong instrumental track and it. It just sounds great. It's like every creative decision that was made in producing this song was, you know, what, what can we do to make this more epic? It's totally over the top. And the video, I really love the video too. It, it ties into our Luna episode because Minso is filmed at, I don't know, it kind of seems like a bombed out tower where Eclipse, Kim Lips Eclipse was filmed. But it's these two, this, they look maybe high school guy and girl who are in Korea and Japan. And I think the story is they kind of connect through this video game. But the video is a lot of fun. They're flipping over fences and jumping through windows and running along roofs. And it's really great. They, for a promotional video, you know, they spent the money, they got the right people and came up with a really great song. Yeah, I'm a fan as well. I like Minso as a sort of a IU replacement when IU is not around. Minso and Ina are geniuses, like the like one of the best kind of duo. Should go down, obviously, in songwriting history as one of those great songwriting duos. But definitely, yeah, this sounds a little bit more like Carnival by Gaian. But you know, her previous song and so's previous song is who is very Red Shoes inspired, and she's sort of like a. Right now, a bit more melodramatic, a bit more loud version of IU, which I'm very much here for. Yeah, that works. I don't know if either of you have heard it, but um, Jamin from SM, she like did a soundtrack song years ago called Stand Up. Um, I forget which soundtrack it was for. It was for a drama that Minho and Silly were in. And like this kind of reminds me of that. Like It's a very inspiring, powerful like female soloist and like, the song like just makes you want to like you know do something like seize the day conquer the world yeah and the lyrics honestly whoever is behind this is a, like really knows what they're doing because they put the english lyrics on it and like the, the lyrics are really important for this song so i guess i'll continue with a song that makes me want to do something and that something is dance this is a uh, retro future by triple h triple h is uh hyuna hui and hyojong hyojong is idan so it's hui and idan from pentagons their follow-up to 365 fresh from last year and this one took a little bit of growing on me um it doesn't have that same sort of really quick like punchy power of 365 fresh like overall the, the chorus and the hook of retro future doesn't yeah have that same like like i still shout 365 so fresh today just when i feel like it the chorus is a little laid back yeah mm. but the rest of it is really busy and it has all these kind of clashing 80s you know disco elements obviously the sample from grandmaster flash and lots of like percussion and but they're really wrangled together quite well and it, it feels tight and it keeps everything moving at a, a quick enough pace even when the chorus is quite laid back but best of all it gives space for what i think are actually three of the best vocalists working in k-pop right now you know we've talked previously about hyuna has a, a great variety to her voice you know a snarling rap but then a quite a nice normal vocal as well. Edon is probably my favorite K-pop rapper 
of the moment. You know, he's doing a lot of different things here, and he just always sounds so new and fresh. And Hui just is kind of the the cream of the crop when it comes to like just classically good male singers. They just have so much fun on this track. Like when you watch them together in the video and just on social media and stuff, they seem to be a little more loose than most K-pop groups. And it's probably the influence of Hyuna who seems to just like let go and she's just totally herself now and really lends this song its excitement. Yeah, it's a lot of fun, and I think the video is a big step up from that semi-offensive 365 video. I, I was wondering whether the start of it, it looked like they were they were referencing the 365 video when they sort of landed in the car. Yeah, they were they're wearing different clothes, so I don't think that's... <laughs> some people were saying that it was the afterlife because like they jump at the end. Right, that's what I was that's what I was thinking that they landed in the car, but why would they be wearing different clothes? Like, I mean, if they wanted to reference it, it you're not be that wearing hard. the same clothes you dine in heaven because the clothes get ruined with your blood. Like whatever. Like, oh, I thought you were. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I'll let you know in like hundred years. Yeah, let me know. <laughs> okay, I guess that wraps us up then. Since I've been, you know, doing so much talking, I'll keep it going. I'd say I hope you enjoyed this episode. I think I've gotten so many ideas across. <laughs> But I hope they all make sense. You can find the podcast at um, we'll between and at Cold Scene on Twitter. We have Kpop Unmuted Twitter is at Kpop Unmuted. Um, Stephen, where can people find you? On Twitter, I'm at Tennessee Appeal. And tomorrow, I'm on Twitter and Instagram at tomorrow right. And I am at Captain Joe Hook on Twitter. Please review and subscribe us on whatever program you use, like be it iTunes. And Google Play, Stitcher, SoundCloud, whatever. And yeah, hope to have you listen to us again. <laughs> <laughs>